As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. My dad loved to play golf. He loved everything about the game. And as a child, I tried to get my head around it. But to be honest with you, I really couldn't get there. Now, eventually, when I was working, I learned to play because I didn't want to be that token girl that was out on the golf course at all these fundraisers and wasn't able to kind of provide any good shots for my team. And so I picked it up. And then my husband, Tony is an avid golfer not quite the scratch golfer that he used to be before we had children but I know he loves just loves to be out on the course and I knew if I didn't take up the game that I would eventually become a golf widow uh, in our retirement years I love the nine and dine I'm good to pay to play I would say about 12 holes and then I'm good to pack it in but that's not why I'm telling you this story what I respect most about this game are its nuances And that this game, above all others and all other sports, really reveals a person's true character, their integrity, their honesty, their sportsmanship, and the way they relate to people. And I just love that part. Now, don't panic. This podcast is not about golf. I wouldn't do that to you. But rather, this is really about life lessons learned both off and on the course. Kevin Haim, of all people, has seen all of it. Athlete, teacher, businessman, industry leader, a mentor, a philanthropist, a radio host of 25 years, a husband, and a father. So welcome to Living Your Life with Leanne Lang, the podcast brought to you by Extension Marketing. And as always, for more information, you can always head to extensionmarketing.com. Kev, welcome to the show. It was a really long intro because I joked about the fact that probably that's the only time I'm going to be able to speak Ah. having you here in studio. I'm really excited to have you. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to be here. A lot of fun and... Uh, I'm excited to talk to you, and as you as you well know, Tony is one of my best friends in the world. So, and and he is passionate about the game. He sure is. He really is. I think he. I've learned a lot by how he sees the game and how he talks about how he learns about people, and uh, you know the things. I've seen it, right? Like, and I've seen yeah. it. And I, and he was really quick with me when I was learning the game, and I was and I'm competitive, right? And I and I would, I get really annoyed and frustrated, and then I wouldn't be fun to golf with. And he's like, yeah. that's. That's not what this is about. Yeah, you know, golf is a, uh, it's like a layers, like in an onion or something. And so many people just dabble it, scratch at that top layer. And it's hard. It's not that easy. And most people go about it the wrong way in that, you know, they just grab someone's clubs and say, hey, let's go play nine and go out for drinks after. And it's like saying, let's grab a guitar or a cello and, and enjoy that and then go do something. It's it, it requires a little bit of an investment. But as Tony's learned, and certainly it, it's my whole life, really, you know, uh, I mean, I bleed golf pretty much since birth. My dad was a pro for 42 years. Right. Because so. I was going to say you... You grew up around this game. Oh, yeah. This was your life, you know, from a very early age. Oh, yeah. One of the first pictures I can ever recall in my life, I'm in a diaper on my parents' bed with a little plastic club, you know, and a hat on. And uh, still wearing the hat. The, di- the diapers are long gone for now anyway. But, you know, th- there, there are so many elements to it. And you, you just referenced it there a little bit, Leanne. It really reflects life, its challenges, its integrity and honesty. 
the difficulties. The game itself, you stand on the first tee and there's all these little hazards in between you and the end and you've got to, you've got to manage yourself and your golf ball and your emotions uh, around this piece of terrain, however long you want to do it. And 12 holes sounds a great, like a great length for me or nine or six or whatever it is. But the game's different. It's different than most games. It's not sneak an elbow in and steal the puck and you're a hero. Uh, you know, there, there's, there's self-ruling done throughout it. There are mental and emotional challenges. It's not all about fitness, uh, but it does have a lot of fitness and strength in the game now. So it's definitely it, it's changed. It's got a lot. It's got a lot. But what I think is interesting is that you mentioned that you can stand on that first tee and you see all these obstacles. You see everything in front of you and you can play it incredibly well that first time, but you get back onto that same first tee the next day and you're going to have a completely yeah, different know. experience. Like nothing is ever repeated. Like it's, it's, you're never going back and we'll experience it. No, the there's same. no boredom in golf. There is giving up if you're not resilient enough to stick with it or don't love it enough. And that's okay. But there's no boredom in the game. I mean, I go out to Cabot links quite often and you play seaside in the big sand dunes and, and you're putting from 100 yards off the green. And then you go down to Augusta National where there's azaleas and, you know, 100 foot, six foot diameter trees. And it's a totally different experience. And every shot, you're, the grass is different every day. The moisture levels, the firmness of the turf, the humidity, the lies you'll get, ball above your feet, ball below your feet. So it never gets boring. The, the game really is, the advice I would give people about the game itself is you've got to delve into a few layers of that onion. You can't just scratch at it and get it. And it's not going to grab everybody, but it'll grab a lot of you. But it's really about body control. So if you want to move your golf ball around that terrain like a little chess piece, that's really what the game is. If you can control your body and you kind of control what the club does. And then control your reactions to bad shots because you'll never hit the ball like you want to hit it. That That's part of the temptress of the game, right? You, you think, oh, I'm going to hit some golf balls and then master this, but you can't. It's impossible to master because every muscle and ligament in your body is moving. The ball is round and the swing is a circle and the club's moving, you know, even for beginners, 60 miles an hour. So to, to think that you'll master it is impossible. So you need the right attitude and you need uh, to really work on discipline and body control, you know, and it, but it, it, I mean, as you can tell by my passion for it, it's really a great game for kids, too, because, you know, they learn they learn life lessons and resilience yeah. and focus and all those things. I'm going to come back to the, the kids program because I think it's amazing yeah. what you've done with your junior programs as a junior yourself. So growing up with a dad as a pro, you're growing up with the game how often like as a child are you in there because i think for a lot of canadian athletes i mean for myself included right having yeah, the opportunity absolutely. to get to a level where you can compete in the united states and and be at an ncaa program this was the path yeah. that, that you took i mean you were a great canadian junior golfer yeah. and managed to end up at the, is it illinois illinois yeah. with steve stricker who yes. made it up to number two in the world he's president like Ryder cup right yeah like, i know okay crazy crazy so what was that like um well, you know, I was a backshop rat. I mean, my parents, uh, for me, the golf experience wasn't typical. Uh, you know, I didn't have rich parents at a country club. Uh, my dad worked at the club. He was the club pro who everyone admires, but it's still, uh, it's an entrepreneurial struggle. It's seven days a week, the golf business, and you're washing clubs at 10 o'clock at night from people who come off the course, and they're there at 10 to 6, all excited to play. So I grew up in the backshop, cleaning clubs and going through all of that. Uh, 
the members let me into the junior program. My brother John was also a great young player, and they let us into the junior program. They were very generous at the at the hunt club where we grew up. But then we picked the range. I did club repair, worked in the pro shop. So th through our whole existence, it was a little bit of work and a lot of golf. But yeah, we go every day, Leanne, and uh, I, I may have a morning shift and then play 18 holes. Or I may play 36 holes. And we all know as kids, the thing you love about it, you know, the things I remember as a kid isn't as much the, the toiling on my craft as getting the French fries at the nine hole shack with my buddies and a Kit Kat bar. They had the greatest French fries at the hunt club. They put them, they deep fried them at the nine hole shack and they put them in these foil bags and you put the salt and vinegar in there and shake them up. And it's probably not a health and wellness. I know comment, that, but it's but a memory though, right? Like when you think of your memory. childhood, I mean, just making that, you yeah. know, the lip a, a the golf course, I'll tell all parents, a golf course is an incredibly good place to leave your kids and I know we'll talk about our, our charitable endeavor later but you know you can drop your kids off at 8 a.m. in a nice safe environment they're walking all day they're 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 with friends in a like I say outside but they're also in a pretty contained environment mm -hmm. and it's not that expensive I think people also think golf's expensive but get your kids a membership for four or five hundred bucks for the summer and they can play all day every day so it's a yeah. neat thing. You're spending, that, that way, you're spending way more at the, at, the, at the camps anyway, you know, and at that point, you're not sure exactly how much some of them are getting out of it. So you're playing, you're working for dad in the yeah. back of the shop, yeah. having an opportunity to play. How did the opportunity present itself to be able to go and play in the United States, in Illinois? Well, to tell you the truth, that's a neat little Ottawa story because, uh, you know, like everything in life, you need a little bit of luck and some connections. My brother was a really good player. My brother was two years older than I am, still is. Uh, John is 50. Well, we won't, we won't comment on that, but he's get, we're getting up there. But John won the Quebec Junior. And Frank Clare, Frank Clare Stadium, where yeah. the Rough Riders played, was a member. And Frank played football at Purdue and was a coach at Purdue, I believe, back in the 60s. And so when we were looking for scholarships to go to the U.S., Frank was a member and made a call to Purdue University. And John went down there and, you know, Big Ten. I mean, 100. That's a big school. 105,000 people at the, at the football stadiums and the big 20,000 foot uh, or 20,000 person basketball games and an amazing experience, you know, Greek life and parties and tailgating. And we'd never seen anything like that here in Ottawa, uh, where you might get, you know, two dozen people on the sidelines at Carleton <laughs> University, right? Back I in mean, the day. it was yeah, crazy, before, yes. right? It was crazy. So jo anyway, John went down and finished fourth in the Big Ten as a freshman. And so here came younger brother following. And I made provincial teams. Uh, as a junior golfer, I was a good player. I was a scratch golfer, but uh, that really opened the door for me. And, you know, if you're a Canadian, uh, it's tough to get into Arizona and Florida because there's so many Americans being recruited down there and it's a 12 month sport and everything. So Canadians still to this day, you know, places like Kent State, which is in the Mid-America Conference. Herb Page, a famous coach there, recruits a lot of Canadians. There are, there are pockets where Canadians tend to go. And it's more Midwest, uh, unless you're, you know, if you're an incredible player. But there's only been a few Canadians penetrate right down into that University of Florida type thing. So anyway, Big Ten was awesome. So the Illinois travel schedule was neat. I did not want to be my, my, my brother's little shadow at Purdue. So I went to Illinois. And two years later, Steve Stricker stumbled onto the campus. And, you know, it was a fantastic experience. But you, you know what it's like. I mean, you played uh, university sports or are you? Well, I did. And I think what I loved is I'm, 
a first of all, it was a job. You were a student. You were a student athlete. You you studied during well, the day, uh, and they had invested in you, right? So there was an expectation to they monitored your grades, they monitored everything. But then you worked for them. You either worked by training, and then you yeah. competed. Like we traveled every weekend during season. But I loved it. It was Penn State, Michigan. You know, exactly LSU, Alabama. Stuff, yeah. You know, I really I feel like I really got to see a, a major part of the United States. Granted, it was in a lot of arenas. <laughs> But, you know, like I've been to Arizona and Texas and Alabama and like it was really a really neat experience. I I loved it. I, you know, and I tell Canadian athletes all the time. I know that there's great experiences, but if you can achieve that and get it, go. Yeah, it's it's um, if you get the right coach and the right program and the right facilities and everything. I mean, it's spectacular. You know, it really is the, the big dollars down there. Uh, anyway, yeah, I, I think so. Steve I'm, Stricker, you're yeah. you've got uh, a future, kind of amazing. Yeah, I didn't know it at player. the time. I mean, Steve was a little better than we were, but not a lot. He won the Big Tens as a freshman, so he you could tell he could play. But Steve was from Edgerton, Wisconsin. He showed up. I still remember. I was on the we had two golf courses on campus, the orange and the blue, and I was teeing off on the blue course, and I turned back and. Our coach said, you know, this this kid's looking at coming here. And he had his he had his Wisconsin little Edgerton, Wisconsin letter jacket on and the bowl haircut. He was so shy. He had these gold rim glasses on and he stayed that shy. I, I didn't really get to know Steve too much off course because he was so quiet. But uh, I, I played probably with Steve 60, 80 times and. Uh, he's a good friend today. I will tell everybody, people love to hear this. He's he's a better guy than than they even say he is. All those tears you see on TV and the genuineness, there's no phoniness at all uh, with Steve. Uh, one of my favorite stories is he called in to tee it up, our radio show, a few years ago, and he was reworking his swing. This is about, I guess, time flies, probably nine, ten years ago. And Steve said, no problem, I'll come on the show, no, you know, no problem at all. And he had zero ego, still does. And he comes on the show and he's talking about working on his swing. And he was in Wisconsin and he's he's hitting these golf balls trying to fix his swing. But he runs out of balls because they go out in the snow and he's got these old range balls. And I said, you know, Steve, you could probably call Titleist. And like you're a top 20 <laughs> player in the world. They'll probably send you more golf balls. But it wouldn't even dawn on Steve to call and ask for balls. You know, he's like, rats, I'm out of golf balls. Now what do I do? So it's a neat story that yeah. kind of personifies who he is. He's small town. Midwest, just a neat guy, a real nice person. Uh, and has definitely made an impact on the sport. And, oh, yeah. You know, and when you think of when you have a captaincy of, uh, at the Ryder Cup, the respect you know, that, uh, it, that it shows from the players. Steve epitomizes that kind of steady ship in the storm. He, he's never changed. He's never changed his swing. His rhythm on the course is totally controlled. Uh, lots of good things to say about him. But a uh, healthy guy, too. I mean, you look at him today, and he's still fit. Most of us golfers... You know, haven't put on that middle age 20, you know, we, because we're walking a lot. You're outside. It's a very it doesn't have a reputation of being a physical game, but it's, it's a healthy lifestyle. right? Well, you're walking. Yeah, you're walking. Walking is the best form of, of mobility and exercise. That That's actually. I, a thing. I went to Royal Montreal on Monday. This Monday, I had an event with a few friends and uh, we played 36 holes. And my uh, Apple Watch said I, I was at 27,000 steps at the end of the day. Wow. So when you're what we carried in the morning, we pulled in the afternoon. But. You know, that's that's a good day's work. And uh, it doesn't really? feel like a good day's work because you're so obsessed with hitting that darn little ball. But uh, you're tired at the end of the day. It's a good walk. I don't know what that is, 12 miles, 14 miles, something like that. have to have someone calculate the 27,000 yeah. steps yeah. for sure. You graduate, you actually graduate with communications. Yeah. 
which was a, lent a great hand for your 25 years working in broadcasting also. It really did, yeah. Leanne, but I took it because it seemed kind of easy. I got to be honest. I mean, I, I went to the States as a 19-year-old to play golf and... You know, I didn't want to take uh, engineering or biochemistry or anything. It was all about golf and communications. It was the number one communication school in the in the in the U.S. at the time. I and know. I and kind of like, stumbled oh, into it. Let's just go there. But it, was it because you knew that you wanted to come back and and stay in the business? No, not or at all. You just no. I just thought that seems interesting. I mean, a lot of my teammates were taking, you know. Uh, leisure studies uh you know whatever it was english you know stuff they were they were all athletes and there were a couple of them who wanted to take uh something specific to be a doctor or to be an engineer but most of them for the most part were golfers and they were there for golf so uh i actually had a minor in business and a and a uh, my major was communications. I, I never had trouble with school. I was lucky. I was an Ontario scholar. I never studied that hard. But yeah, as it turns out, I mean, you know, the radio show happened out of the business. That was the entrepreneur in me wanting to do a radio show to promote my business. But as it turns out, a lot of those life lessons or those less literal lessons I learned in, you know, interpersonal communications and all those classes I took ended up being great for me. Well, it has been because you've taken... Um, what most people then might just think of going to the golfing range or going to the range or going for lessons. And you built this brand around Kevin Haim. Yeah. And, and it, and it I, I admire it so much because it could have so easily just been one of the kind of places that you go along the highway that you see there's a range and, yeah. and, and off you go. But this was something that I think you built, you, you took it over as the, what was it? The double decker. Well, no, we didn't take it over. I built that one too. You we built, built that. Okay. Those, those were members of the hunt club yeah. uh, invested. Jake Dunlop. A lot of people remember that name. Len Patashian, who's a great businessman, regional realty here in Ottawa and was involved with developing the airport. And, but growing up, you know, the other thing I'd say to people is, you know, I do not like the richy uh, rich country club rules and the jacket and tie in the clubhouse and a lot of the goofiness around our sport. I, I think it's all got to go. You know, I really do. But being around affluent people, and that's one of the reasons Lisa and I started our initiative, there's opportunities if you use them, right? I, I had a lot of self I've always had self-confidence. I think it started, my dad was the pro at the club. He was the best golfer at the club. So I kind of strutted around a little bit, you know. And then when I was 15, you know, Jim Frisbee, Frisbee Tire and... Dan Donnelly from Donnelly Motors would want to play golf with me because I was a scratch golfer. And then they'd take me in for a Coke into the lounge after, you know, and you, you, you gain, you're around people who are successful, sharp witted. And I think it gives you some confidence and then being successful at a sport. I mean, you're the same. Uh, you, you've done television and everything. Not everybody can jump into that stuff, but I think the sport uh, gave me confidence and, and the growing up in the environment gave me confidence. And, and so I, I went for it. I mean, as it turns out, I didn't know what the heck I was doing, you know, the development of it, the business end of it. We opened that when I was just 25 years old and I was kind of a bite off as much as you can and just chew, you know, it was the theory. And, you know, yeah, we developed it into a brand. It, it kind of all came around my playing ability. And that actually mostly is Dean Brown. So Dean is a, with Tony is another one of my great friends. And when we started the golf school, it started as the double deck golf school. And I did the double deck thing with a snow owl as the logo. And my my 20s marketing brain was around the multiple levels and the snow owl for Canada. And But as I, I was winning golf tournaments and people were asking me for lessons and they were getting better. And Dean said, look at Kevin, 
you know, at the time we had Chuck Browns here in town and it was before golf town days. And we had, you know, some other smaller ranges. He said, the, the thing that separates everything from this is you, your name and your reputation as a player. And so just call it the Kevin Haim Golf Center and the Kevin Haim Golf School. And so we did that. And it's been great. I mean, uh, it's turned into a brand. Lots of sweat equity. Yes. Lot, lots of, you know, you know what it's like. Lots of hours. I, I would like to bring in that it was the Kevin Haim Golf School with the amazing and talented and pretty much other half of the Lisa Haim oh, that goes with totally. it. So this is where I, I, I want, especially for couples or partners who work together or have a business together. The success and how the two of you have worked, because as much as it is you, the person that I that you see that you speak to, unless you're doing it, is Lisa. Yeah. And what was that combination? Because you guys were young to be able to start this and be partners in life and partners in business. This podcast is brought to you by Extension Marketing. They are a new breed of marketing agency that acts as your virtual marketing department designing and implementing cost-effective marketing strategies that will grow your business. I can speak to this personally as I've been using the extension marketing team to help me launch and grow my business. Founder Pat Whalen has been a lifesaver for me, a genuine coach guiding me along the way into uncharted territory. Tell them you're a friend of the show and receive a free one-hour consultation. Check them out at extensionmarketing.com. Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, I love Lisa to death, and I couldn't have done any of it without her, and, and she is the, you know, the stable force in it. But, I mean, it was such a perfect setup for it. In the end, as I reflect back, she was a very good with numbers. She she took accounting at Carleton, you know, so we had this kind of golf player personality thing with a communications uh, degree, and then a, a smart, uh, stable against you know stable through the storm kind of person around uh, uh with me and so the combination's been awesome you know i'm kind of th throwing things against the wall and she's getting easy there big fellow like let's uh, i think this is a better idea and you know so we're a perfect team and to be but honest it, it, i would think of it like you've got you've got kids you've got divorce you've got uh season you've got weather so you could have a great year one year you could have yeah. like a ridiculously bad you know oh, wet, yeah. like i would think the trials and tribulations that you would have dealt with not only as as family but as working this business together yeah. like it was intertwined in everything that you did that goes back to my parents a little bit though leanne because my mom and dad were a team right and barry laughing and liz laughing at camelot and there was a lot of that in the golf business because you were at the at the job seven days a week right. in the summertime and and you had to go out on the course and play and you wanted someone maybe to watch that cash register and be there so uh, for whatever reason there are a lot of couples in the golf business in our last generation less so now so i grew up with that right that that's what i knew and uh, I'm not so sure Lisa. I, I don't think Lisa knew exactly natural. what she was getting into, right? <laughs> You're like, oh, I've been there, done that. But. I will say, though, that like everything else, you know, when you see an overnight success or any kind of success story, first of all, golf seems to be glamorous. So people look at me, how many times do you play a week? And I'm like, I have not played in Ottawa this year yet. I've played out at Cabot Links and I've played at Royal Montreal twice, which are both beautiful. I always tell everybody, if I'm going to take time to play, it's got to be a real memorable thing. I haven't been able to play golf once this year in Ottawa, and we're in August. Uh, Lisa hasn't played either, you know, and, and she's, a, she's a bit of a player. So uh, it's tough. I can remember being in our dining room table as 
28-year-olds, you know, with two babies and calling companies and begging them that we didn't have to pay them for the stuff we brought in at Christmas till March when we opened, you know. I mean, there were tough times always. It's a tough business, long hours, like a restaurant, not quite like a bar. It's not two in the morning, but it's like a restaurant or it's like retail. And uh, we work hard. I mean, one of the answers is to success in life is we work hard. We, uh, we still put in 60, 70 hour weeks in the summertime. I don't know if it's just because I've become more of an entrepreneur in the last year than I than my media personality days as well. But I started to see all of these graphs, you know, when you look at success and, and it's always like the iceberg that you see, you know, and the tipping point of yeah. what people see of success and money yeah. and notoriety. And then the massive chunk of iceberg that's under the water of all the failures, the money issues, the partnerships, the dealings that you have to do. Like there's so much more that happened there is below the surface to be able to even have that bit of success on the top. Yeah, and to be honest, just like golf, I mean, just like life, you get in what you put into it, get out what you put into it. So, you know, if a person's lucky and they open the doors to a store and it's a booming success immediately, they may squander it because it came too easily, right? I think I think there's like there is for a round of golf, the difficulty, the focus, and the resilience there is in life. If you work hard for something and you have to continue to work hard for it, you stay focused. If you stumble into a bunch of money and kind of, you know, we all know the stories. And sometimes that happens in the second generation or the third generation of a family too, right? So hard work, hard work works would be what I would say. And, and even that's physical. I'm on my feet. You know, I, I've given probably, I hate to say it, this is our 30th year in business. So 500 lessons a year for 30 years, you know, 15,000 lessons. We're on our feet most days from 9 a.m. until about 8 p.m., you know, in the summertime. It's crazy. Uh, Lisa gets to sit, a lot of paperwork at the computer screen. But uh, it's an active lifestyle at our golf center. You know, you're out and about and talking to people and moving and swinging. Well, and, and, and you've always been that people person. I think it's the personality, right? The success that you've had, but also the personality that draw, draws people in. But with that being said, I mean, while it's under the Kevin Haim branding, there's been so much expansion. It's it's almost like you're constantly looking to stay a step ahead of of every yeah, we innovate event. right. You but you've, we you we don't expand. To we innovate, and I, and I think people who are business people or entrepreneurs need to understand that just because you have success right now, you've always been like, okay, we're doing it. We're we're okay right now. How are what do we need to do so that yeah. two years down the road we're already where we we need to be we've stayed in our lane really well again reflections great 2020 a vision looking back but i don't know how many of my friends have expanded and tried to do something and they they they're successful at owning a whatever type of store and then they they get into buying condos and then they do something else and then they lose it all somehow right we've stayed in our lane we know what we know and we work really hard at it so that's been important uh and we understand it we have to innovate you know, uh, it might sound a little hokey, but every year I go down to the PGA of America golf show in Orlando. And I've done that since my dad brought me. I mean, he was at the Hunt Club. That's how I learned, right? I'd trail him around in the aisles at the golf show. And when I say golf show, I'm not talking at the, you know, I'm not talking at Lansdowne Park uh, in no. the Cattle Castle. We're talking about, I mean, it's you can... World renowned. I mean, it, it's monstrous. Yeah, the, the, the Orange of County it. Convention Center. You can lay the Empire State Building down in it. It's something like Something like 27 miles if you walk every mile and every nook of it to do the show. So it's a four-day show. Really impressive. Anyway, every year we go down to that. So you, you, you see the latest and greatest. 
But also, we've always stayed at Disney World. I mean, I can remember when, when I, in 1971, when Disney World started, my parents, we used to, God, we used to go to uh, Daytona Beach. And st my parents had no money when we, we were young kids. We'd stay at Daytona Beach, and they'd rent a little place, a little crappy little place for like $100 for the month. And my mom would go out to you know, not Walmart at the time, but a place like that and buy a little bath mat and a couple of candles to make it kind of homey. And we thought it was heaven. I mean, I thought it was just fantastic. But we went to Disney and uh, it's one of our family, famous family stories. We, we show up in 71, which was when Disney started. And my dad had saved up a couple of nights at the Polynesian Hotel. And so we arrive and we're singing, you know, M-I-C-K-E-Y in the back seat. And we get there on the wrong day. We arrived a day early. <laughs> so we had to drive all the way back to Daytona Beach and come back again the next day. But anyway, funny little story. But since, since then, and I was seven at the time, um, we've been going to Disney World. So Lisa and I always go to the show and we bring the kids. And, and the, the connection to the business being around a place like that. I mean, talk about customer service. Talk about branding talk about smart talk about innovative talk about clean talk about dynamic you know and it's not that i'm a i, I don't wear my prince charming outfit on halloween i mean i'm not i haven't drank the kool-aid but as a business it's incredible and so i'd always come home to ottawa and and you know i'm like oh my god did you see what they did there and oh they logoed this and there was a little sign out front and they got this special called the mickey and mini bar and all this stuff right and so I always tried to use my business sense and my entrepreneurial energy to kind of create that even at a driving range, like a, not a country club, not an intimidating place, but, you know, why not have the coolest and best things and why not have branding around and why not have a club cleaner for everyone to just use you know, $700 for a club cleaner and everybody gets to clean their clubs all the time and, and all kinds of different ideas like that, right? Now we've put in high-tech cameras to play Top Tracer, and I bought a 3D motion capture system for teaching. Oh, and, and you have the pop-up, the... Yeah, know, with the, the power tees. I yeah. mean, I, I thought that was a, a no-brainer. I really did. You know, I, I think... Was the thought people... I mean, gosh, you bending up and down, up and down, up and down for 100 balls, right? The placement. But that you were able to, to target people who had mobility or who had missed the game but just couldn't... Certainly. Constantly be bending up and down every you single time. You know what? Time. Um... Why did I do Power T? I mean, it's been eight years now. I guess just to innovate and to separate us from everybody else. Um, and I really like this company, the Power T company. The, the folks are from Britain, and they had 300 facilities in Europe. It wasn't like I was taking a chance on the product. And I negotiated a business model with them, which I thought would work, right? We raised our bucket prices a dollar. And that dollar times X buckets, and we just figured out, and, and we just want, I mean, that's one thing about having your name on the building, right? I, I don't want people coming in, and there's dandelions, and weeds, and lousy old balls, and worn out mats, you know, which is what you see at most driving ranges. I, I, I wanted to say, hey, we're not that, you know, uh, and here's another cool thing. Like, I say to today, Leanne, for us, we compete, you know, against IMAX movie theaters for yours and Tony's 50 bucks, right? Like you've got the girls there and it's, hey, let's go out and do something. And if you're non-golfers, we're not in the conversation, but if you're a golfer, it might be like, hey, why don't we go do Top Tracer tonight? We can play Pebble Beach at the range on the on the simulator, you know, or, or yeah, oh, let's go use the magic tees. All the kids call them magic tees because the balls pop up out of the ground, right? 
instead of going to Kelsey's for dinner or instead of going to an IMAX movie or instead of going to, I mean, I view my competition as just disposable dollars. Uh, I don't see it as, hey, we want to make our driving range better than the next closest driving range. It's about the experience. Yeah, Not and that's that Disney time. thing. That's yes. that Disney yeah, thing, you know? So you did. You took what it was. It was the experience of of going and, and appreciating it. And you talk about making it family. And so the, the big emphasis for you, I think, has been on the junior programs. Yep. Why was that so important to you? Well, I mean, it was so important in my life. I, uh, are, you, are we talking about just my teaching okay, programs let's or are we talking about, about the charity? No. Okay, so let's start with the teaching it, yeah. is that there was an openness to having kids there and yes. and providing the proper instruction and the groups and the camps. Like, let's start there and then we'll expand into Well, let's be honest. The, First yeah. of all, camps are good money. So let's be honest yeah. up front. I mean, well, we, I, lo- I think people appreciate you know, that. Kevin, They'll say, Kevin Haim, there's big business, but you're honest you know, about it. Yeah. I mean, hey, business is business, right? And, and uh, if you think it isn't, you know, Walmart set up their aisles a certain way to get the most amount of money out of your pocket. And it's their challenge to make it so rewarding and fun for you or worthwhile or for whatever reason that that's where you choose to go. So golf camps, you know, you have 20 little guys around or little little girls, and that's a lot of 20 times X a, a week. So, you know, we got into the business of it because it makes sense. However, I mean, we were young. I mean... We're 30 years in, I'm 54, you know, so we started at 24. So when we were doing camps, our kids were in the camps, right? We had a six and a four-year-old when we did our first camp. So it just, it was a natural thing for us to do, to, to do golf camps. And my junior experience in growing up in golf was so great that, um, you know, it was just a, it was just a natural because of our age, because of our attitude, mm-hmm. because of, uh, uh, because of the fact that it was decent business, because of the fact that I love my upbringing in the game so much, it was a natural thing to push, okay. push that in. Right. I like how you're saying we're pushing that in because you had, I think, when you started doing the camps 20 some years ago, it was it was for that, right? People were putting their kids in because it was a fun camp. It was a, an introduction to a game. Whereas now you see parents putting their children into this sport with their retirement fund in their thought yeah, it's process, a whole different right? Thing, yeah. It is a very different thing as to reasoning behind why people are choosing certain sports or what the expectations are when they bring a young child to your yeah. uh, to your center going, make them a star, you know? Yeah, well, they're different things. So the golf camp is still... Is still gummy worms and, and right. having fun, right? That's still fun. Uh, but we do a lot of elite coaching. Grace St. Germain was one of my clients. She won national championships, and we've got provincial championships, and we've got top players. We just had our, our Kevin Haim Jr. Masters, our eighth annual, and one of the young kids, Alex Breesbar, who I coached, at 69 and won the tournament. And How old is that? How old is he? He's 17. He's had enough on a scholarship okay. for sure, and he's been in our golf initiative as well, so that's a special win. But, yeah, we coach a lot of of kids, uh, say year round, they come in the Superdome. Darren McCorston's a buddy who uh, runs the Superdomes here in town. And uh, we, we do a little bit of coaching in the wintertime, but it's a summer program. And yeah, the kids come to practice and they have uh, journals they keep and it, it's big sports. And, you know, we had one little girl who just came home from Miami, Isabella Ferguson, was down in Miami at the Optimist World Championships. And she went out to Atlantic Canada in New Brunswick and won the CN future links atlantic championship shooting 70 on the third day she's 14 so golf is also that now right it's it, it's camps but it's also are they loving it the kids that are playing at this level <laughs> well i try to make sure they are 
the parents are the the hidden force behind that, right? And most of them know it. I'm very blunt as a person. And I'm very blunt with the parents, right? If they step out of bounds and I let them know right away, but it is tough. You know, you know what it's like. I mean, you're involved with gymnastics to this day and sometimes it's the parents pushing too hard. And my brother has this great thing. He calls the minivan prison when the kids are going home and they're forlornly looking out of the window as the parents are berating them about the putt they missed or whatever. Right. So you got to watch the parenting. I mean, the, the key is that they continue to love it, but it, it is high stakes. I mean, these kids want scholarships and they want the experience you and I had. And that's going to leave depression and nerves and anxiety. It, there's no avoiding it. It's the real world. A lot of people will protect their kids, right? It, it's like two different, two different camps. Yeah, that's a whole right? podcast. Because, that's a whole <laughs> podcast, that one. Oh, boy. I'll save that one right now. What you had mentioned, though, is the ability for these kids or parents putting them into this. Yeah. What you have created with your junior program or with um, the kids that you're offering them the opportunity to come to the courses who, yeah. who otherwise wouldn't be able to afford it. Yeah. Don't come from the means that we were talking yeah. about earlier. Yeah. How did, how did this program come into play? Well, okay. Did take the kids so to the course. It's called the Kevin Haim junior golf initiative. And, uh, what happened was uh, the people at Clublink about, well, we've been doing it 12 years. So 13 years ago approached me and I knew, I, I know everybody in golf because my dad was a national pro of the year and in it for 41 years. And then I played well, had a reputation as a player and then the business. And so the Haim name is pretty much known coast to coast. And, and Clublink uh, had Jason Spezza at the time doing a tournament out at Greyhawk. And again, golf tournaments are business for golf courses. They make money off these things. So they approached me and said, look, we don't have a West End high profile event. Can we use your radio show as the platform and put your face on this event? And if, if we, you do it, you can pick the charity. I said, well, I guess, you know, like, seem kind of like I'm always looking for neat, innovative things. And it's, again, it's marketing, right? The, the such and such Kevin Haim tournament and all this stuff. So, so I said, sure, okay. And then I talked to Lisa and we've been so lucky. Both my parents are alive. Uh, you know, at the time, I think Lisa and I had three of our four grandparents still alive. So I didn't have that kidney so foundation. I didn't have anything that was so close to me. So I said to Lisa, the greatest thing in my life was growing up at the hunt club getting that self-confidence to go up and end up where I am. So why don't we take these passionate little golf freaks, you know, who are at these little courses with dandelions in the bunkers, and why don't we buy them memberships at country clubs and give them that safe experience where they can work on their dreams from a physical standpoint, but also what I now understand to be all those other emotional elements of the self-confidence and the, all of that stuff, right? Introduce them to that whole part of the world that they may not have ever seen yet, right? So, and, and that, you know, some people might listen to that and say, well, you're, you know, there's nothing better about affluent people than non-affluent people, but you're giving kids opportunities, right? You're putting them in a safe environment with great course conditions so they can really chase their skills, but you're also putting them in an environment that might lead to opportunity for them. And I loved everything about all of those things. So Clublink said, sure, if you do that, we'll open up our, our courses for you and we'll sell you uh, memberships at half price. So junior memberships, you can sponsor them, Kevin, and put them in. So we're up over 700 kids now, 12 years later, who we've put at great courses from Royal Ottawa, 
you know, Rito Views, part of our list, uh, Carlton Golf and Yacht Club. We, we've had kids in all the great courses, and it's been an awesome experience. 700 kids have been through this yeah. program. Yeah, and How? a lot more. We, we donated some How? money to you guys when you were uh, in charge of the snowsuit fund. Or, yes, yeah, so, right? so let me question. How does a child bet, like, how does a child enter into the program? How are they chosen? What are, what's the protocol behind the program? So we have, a, we have a fundraising tournament every year at Eagle Creek. Ping is our major sponsor. Tony Harris is a heck of a sponsor. He does some artwork for us every year. We auction off. Um, His favorite, by the way, I think is Brooke Henderson. Yeah, pretty amazing. And, and Brooke is there. Ping and now she's there, Brooke. but she's, yeah, Brooke. he's like, sometimes you're like, yeah, we're like busties now. Like, yeah. And that's another thing. Brooke <laughs> is great. I, I will give you the Steve Stricker name drop, but Brooke is great as well. She's really a neat person. But uh, so we've had this tournament uh, happen. We raise the funds and then we buy the memberships. Uh, people can go to kidstothecourse.com. There's an application process there. The kids fill in an application process. They have to write an essay about, uh, you know, what golf means to them, why this is important to them. Uh, there are a lot of considerations. Some are financial, of course. Some aren't. You know, if you and Tony were reasonably successful in life, but neither of you played golf, and it's unreasonable to think you'd buy a, you know, multiple thousand dollar membership at a club just so your girls could play. So we might, even if you've got enough money, we might put the girls in if they're passionate for golf for whatever weird reason. So it has to do with the kids' passion. It has to do with family situation. It has to do with finances. But we find good kids through this application process and we place them at golf courses. What do you hope that they get from it? Because I know that there's the golf aspect, yeah. right? That they have... But... As a parent, I want my children to meet someone, shake their hand, look them in the eye. That's the whole deal. And and I want that person to be like, that's that's a I like that kid, yeah. right? And so, but they need to be in situations where they're forced to actually have to do that. And when you finish an eighteen, and you're all four of you are finished, there's a handshake, yeah. there's a look, right? There's there are things and etiquette aspects about this game. Of where the teaching really comes into play. Yeah, you know what? And uh, that that has ended up being the that little, you know, a lot of times the, the shiny glitzy thing seems to be your goal, but something else is the secret goal, right? And, and that's the secret to this whole thing. I mean, it's great that we've had kids on scholarship. That's awesome. But we've had so many more kids go from being so shy, they wouldn't even look you in the eye and you know, I don't want to say they had tons of anxiety or anything, but we've seen kids flower. I mean, just come alive playing golf. And you go to a Canada Golf Club. And by the way, important to say, all the members who usually get the reputation to be the old scruffs, you know, who don't like kids and everything. We've had two complaints in 12 years and 700 kids about kids were too slow or whatever. Uh, we just had our junior master at the Canada Golf Club last week. And I had two elderly ladies come up to me and say, I think what you're doing with these kids is just wonderful. You know, so it's, it's been really good from that perspective. It's all been positive. And the kids, when you see a kid tee off at Canada with three high tech executives, an 11 year old and you know spend the five hours and at the end they they take their caps off and shake hands and they bring that boy or girl in for a, a pop you know or a, a whatever at the end of the round it is so cool and uh, we've had so many parents tell us that their their child is completely changed and don't forget that again the sneaky thing we're talking about lifestyle and fitness five miles a day they're walking five six miles a day outside right so you don't think of golf as being that sport. It's great to play hockey and you're on the ice for 12 minutes 
and you sweat and you you race around. You play golf, you're out in the sunshine with vitamin D all day walking five miles. Uh, and you're calling penalties on yourself and you're meeting new people. It's pretty cool. Yes. Let's say, let's go with that. Calling penalties on yourself, yeah. having to stick with a ball that has a, a bad lie, yeah. having to mark down uh, the snowman, right? Like Life lesson. Have you made decisions or have you decided on business or not based on people's behavior on a golf course? Absolutely. I've decided on a lot of things. You know, my, my friendship circle is tight. I work long hours and... When you play golf with someone, you know in about three holes what that person is like. It is staggeringly obvious. Uh, not just the cheating, you know. They always say before you get into business or, or leave someone alone with your spouse in a room, play nine holes with them, you know, and know what type of person they are. But you can tell immediately ego, temper, all those things. They, they It magnifies it all. If someone double bogeys the first hole and you know slams their club into the ground or something, you know, and you, you can tell a lot. So it's neat. It really reflects life. The sport challenges all those emotions. It's more of a mental, emotional sport than is a physical sport, I think, for sure. It's interesting. It's the temperament, like as you were saying, you know. It's exactly the same. The same guy who gets mad at work because he gets passed over for a raise or the same person who fluffs their ball up in the rough is the one who leaves work 20 minutes early. It's amazing how reflective it is. It's pretty cool. I wonder if people have opted to, to try to change it or or tried to see how their personality is on the golf course. It's a great you, test. You, you know, when you're when you're playing a competitive game. And I find too, like I'm not a competitive golfer and I've golfed, you know, but I will literally say I am picking up my ball, everybody. Yep. <laughs> and I am placing it here. But that's I'm not okay. but I'm not counting. Well golf's not you important know, like, to you. It's you not about the score, to, right? Well that's the thing, right? Is that you need when you're in, in that environment, it's allowing the other people around you because I'm so aware of the fact that people can see aspects of your personality. Well, listen and, and, to what I said earlier. Mm-hmm. So what I said earlier is it's about controlling your body and reacting to the bad stuff. And that is life. We're all going to get bad stuff come at us and it's how we react and deal with it from a resilience perspective. And then it's how you act when no one's looking, right? It's it's hitting shots. It's, it's, it's just... comporting yourself properly, whether people are looking or not. And that's life. That's that's totally life, right? There's opportunities to be sneaky and bad and, you know, whatever, whatever you tend to lean to all the time in life, right? And, and you've got decisions to make and you got the same stuff to do in golf over every ball. No one's looking that one of the things about golf that makes that possible. I mean, I don't think it was started out to be this test of humanity, but you got two, 300 acres. You can't have a referee with every group. So it just started that, you know, the group way out on number six, they had to call penalties on themselves because you you can have a referee on a, on a sheet of ice watching every play. You can't have that in golf. So but it's ended up being a pretty cool thing. It did. And I think for the, for the life lessons, I think as, as a child coming in to be able to have that taught to you at a young age is, yeah. is, is amazing. And, and I didn't realize the number was as high as 700. Kev, that's, that's impressive. Yeah, it's pretty that's cool. That's a huh? lot of kids who are being exposed to an opportunity, people, relationships that they otherwise wouldn't have had. Yeah. And, and who knows? Uh, uh, one of the kids in our group, uh, my wife and I were at a Cabot Lynx playing golf in Cape Breton, and one of the kids was out there working there. So he grew through the program. We've got a kid today, actually, Alex Brisebois, who I mentioned, the kid who won the Junior Masters with the 69 just the other day. He's, he's 17, a good young player. His older brother, Nick, is our 
pretty much our poster boy for the Junior Golf Initiative. He is the captain of the Columbia University, which Barack Obama went to Columbia. It's in Manhattan. It's an Ivy League school. He's the captain of their team and was named an academic All-American uh, for this past year. So... You know, and and was a graduate, a graduate of coming into the Oh, yeah, for eight life. years. Nick, Nick, uh, I've known Nick, Nick Brisebois, and people in this area who know golf will know Nick, but Nick used to come in his stroller to play mini putt at the Double Deck Golf Center. So I've known that kid his whole life. And, and love golf, but look what he's done with his golf. I mean, that guy is going to buy and sell us and maybe repair, put a stint in my heart in 15 more years, right? This guy is going to be something special. And there's a lot of kids out of those 700. We've had two incidences uh, in 12 years with problems with kids. That's it. And, and, you know, one of the things we do, which is neat, we give them, we have a little tour school, we call it, with them. And we tell them they got to take their hats off in the clubhouse. The, the hats have to stay on forwards outside. They can't go on backwards. They have to keep their shirts tucked in. And we, we really emphasize that it's upon them that the next 700 kids, how they behave. <clears throat> you know, the Royal Ottawa might say, we don't want any more of your kids. We got a complaint about one of your kids last year. So we, it's, you know, we're that close to losing a partnership with one of these golf clubs. So those kids really know it and understand it. We've had two things happen. One, and they're both kind of funny. One, one young fella, and now we give a social media lesson, but he, he said, uh, you know, my ho the course I'm at is in crappy shape this year. Oh. Hashtag overrated. That did not go well. So we had a little meeting about that one. And unfortunately, he lost his membership because we want to teach them life lessons. So that was just a mistake. But that mistake has led to 500 more kids since understanding. Be careful on social media. And the other one was a little guy bought a Scotty Cameron putter and a something else in the pro shop with his account, right? He <laughs> <laughs> so mom got a bill for eight hundred dollars, and we had to deal with that one. But uh, yeah, but those yeah. are the only things that have ever happened. We've never had another situation, which is great. Right, but you have had kids go on to university academics, uh, kids who weren't doing well academically, now flourishing, totally. all totally. based on that. That that really is amazing. Do you find that that would want to be one of your? You have this amazing business, and eventually your family, your sons are going to kind of take over. Yeah, that th this program though remains one of your biggest legacies of what you've been able to do i think so yeah you know again we didn't plan it a lot of things you don't plan you come up with ideas and some are good and some aren't you know for for me uh i i think it's probably the most important thing we do you know you realize that when you get to a certain age you know i'm at the age now i mean i was full of uh blank and blank when i was 20 you know i just wanted full steam ahead let's uh, let's build an empire here once you hit 50, I, I think you can see the end of the runway a bit. I mean, I don't want to be melodramatic. I hope the runway is 50 years long. Mm -hmm. But you can once you turn 50, you can see. And I, I wanted to leave, you know, I think it's important to give back. Why not? Like, I got a great life. Uh, I'm, I'm a golf pro. I travel the world. We've done decently financially. We haven't done probably everyone listening probably thinks we have way more money than we do because it's a high profile thing. But we've done well. You know, we're, we're really comfortable. And why not give back to kids? Kids will not let you down. You give a kid an opportunity, he will rarely let you down or she, so. I have a couple minutes to go, so I want to just say I what... Know, we could talk forever, Leanne. Well, I know that, but I had to kind of... <laughs> you just saw me look down, I'm like, okay, I just looked at my clock, how much time do I have? 
Where do you see things going? I know now as you've got a radio show that people know to kind of come in and check in. You've got segments on the show that we were talking about. You know, what's in the bag? Uh, Creating a bag from putter to like every single club that's in there. You've been able to market and and do shows based on every aspect of the game. Where do you go from here? As you were saying, you know, you're on the other side. You can see the runway. Yeah. Where do you w- want this to go? And then how do you continue to innovate to do all of these things? Who knows? Well, you know, who knows? I am a little tired. <laughs> I got to tell you, the seven-day week, Tony will uh, tell you this. He'll verify this. He calls me. You want to go play nine? I'm like, oh, can't. <laughs> I got nine lessons today, and I'm exhausted. And, you know, so I got to back, back off a little bit of the day-to-day. And my son is now 27. Jake's doing an awesome job. He's 27. He's ready to dig his heels in a little bit. Are you uh, proud that he wants to stay within the family business? Oh, God, it's so neat. Yeah, we've been really lucky that way, too. You know, I think small business is undervalued in Canada. I mean, our kids were, they were range rats, right? They were with us. We go to work in the morning, they play swords on the on the maintenance road. I mean, they were with us all the time. But when a family is together, so we've had no troubles with our kids. And, and Jake is passionate and totally into it, as I was after I grew up in my dad's back shop. I don't know where I want to go. I'd like a little time, you know, a little more relaxed time. But we have zero, we have zero ambition to fold it up and to go sit on cruise ships for the next 30 years, you know. So we'll see where it goes. Uh, I'm also not, you know, Leanne, I don't think I'm driven to make this the biggest charity in the world and bring it across Canada. You know, that, that's not important to me. What's important is that the, that we... The kids who we come in contact with, we have relationships with, we see the results. I think it's important when you're putting your time and energy in that you see what's happening. The sponsors love that at our at our fundraiser, right? We bring all the kids out to get the clubs out of the out of the cars, and the kids give little speeches at the dinner. And I think connecting with people is important. So, you know, you surround. Hopefully, life gets a little more easy and a little more simple. I, I, I think Lisa would tell you she'd love to never see another cash flow chart in her life. I 30 years of That's cash flow That's a lot of balls. Charts. How many balls do you think you've gone through? Golf balls? Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, we have 30,000 any given year, right? Uh, 30,000 we'll golf balls are in use during a season. Well, in rotation. rotation. And every year I buy like 15,000 new ones. So you get 15,000 new balls, 15,000 left over from last year. And we keep rotating them in. 30 years at at 30,000. That's almost a million golf balls we bought. We'll have two, three hundred people a day, a hundred balls in a bucket. I guess you can do the math, but that's a lot of bucketing it and is. a lot of picking up golf balls. It's more that it's it, there's there's a reason why there's constantly someone out there in that fenced in little tractor trying not to get hit with Maybe golf that's balls. Some <laughs> subconscious power <laughs> tea thing. I'm like, I'm not bending over again. No, I'm, to be able to do that. Oh gosh, that's funny. Okay, but it but it is seasonal. Like I mean, I know that you have the heaters and you can do things, yeah. but you're you're not going through that many people in mid December and January. No, we've got yet. 150 days of hell. We say, you yeah, know, we've got uh, March, April, May, June, July are pretty tough. We just turned the corner here. It's August 6th, I think, as we speak. And you know, for us, October, November, December, January, February are are certainly nicer. Now, here's the problem: I've created a monster. So the branding, which is so great, and the Kevin Haim, I get emails every day where should i play golf in myrtle beach and yeah. hey my friend hit three off the tee but he hit the out of bounds peg what's the ruling and you know we get a lot of contact with people constantly so we started in 1989 all right the internet was invented in 1994 
So when we opened, Lisa and I used to pull a chain across Double Decks Laneway, and we'd go home at the end of November, and we would literally watch VCR movies till March and, and kind of reboot, right? We could reboot. Now... It's so busy. I mean, we're teaching in the Superdomes in the winter. I'm doing the radio show year round. Uh, we're doing all kinds of social media stuff. We're doing our buying. It just seems like it's getting busier and busier. But it's great. It's a great yeah, busy. I am not, not It's not a bad place to no, be in. Okay, great give busy. me your top five things as people are heading out. Uh, top five things you want people to kind of know and do and little tips as they're heading out. Yeah, on most board. people are doing it wrong. I mean, it's like learning to play, play the guitar. When my kid tried to play the guitar, he got, he got 26 half hour lessons and, you know, he can kind of play the guitar. I must say it wasn't a raving success, but, um, you know, you got to take some lessons. You got to understand the game and you got to be willing. There's almost a social element about it. It's its own language, its own everything. And, I think most people, the biggest advice I can give is it's worth the investment. Get in there, dig around a bit. And if you don't like it, I have no problem with that. I, I'm not one of these guys who's going to say, everybody has to play golf. But uh, it's worth it. But you have to do it the right way, which is learning properly. I mean, our golf school, that's one thing I'm pretty adamant about. We're professionals and we know what we're talking about and we use all kinds of world-class things. So they got to do that for sure. Okay. Always give yourself enough time to warm up. Okay. Nobody warms up and... Uh, no, they're running from their meeting to their car and they're, and, when they're and sprinting they're from the car upset, in the parking lot. Then they're upset that they're not playing well. So if you're going to play, play a little less, but give yourself a half-hour warm-up to putt and chip and really get into the round. I think that's okay. really important. <laughs> Reflect on your round. I mean... I see people who are at home courses and they misread a putt 30 years after they join the course. So you can get better at the game if you reflect. And that's true of any sport. But, you know, if you go home and say, OK, what happened today? Oh, I really flubbed that one on two. And then I got upset. And then I topped two. I wonder why I'm topping two. Maybe I'll take a lesson and figure out why I'm topping it. At least if you know why you're topping it, you might not top it again. But just reflect. Or I always hit it out of bounds on this hole or... Uh, when I have a downhill putt, I, I, I usually hit it way past, you know. If you reflect on your scores, you can play better, you know. Uh, that's three. Four would be walk. Get out of those bloody carts, you know. I mean, I, <clears throat> I love the essence of European golf and Lynx golf. And, I mean, walk the six miles. Carry your bag, you know, and talk to the people beside you. Don't zip around with cigars and beers and have a hot dog at the turn, you know. I mean, I, I think there's a tremendous health benefit. I think golfers on average live five years longer than the average in society if they, if they, and it's the exercise, right? And the fresh air and, and it's a social game. So be social, get in there, you know, and then what's last, maybe, you know, reach out of your comfort zone would be, and it's a little bit of a hokey one, but uh, one of the things we did with our charity this year is we said to the kids, they've got to do a give back thing. And we used examples like if there's an elderly person having lunch alone in the clubhouse, go sit with them or ask them to go play nine holes. So you'll learn amazing things about people you play golf with. So if not actually organizing something special, just sign yourself up as a onesome or twosome a few times at your club and, and let them pair you with whoever and see what comes out of that. And I think I think you'll see it's a pretty neat experience. Uh, Lisa and I go out to Cabot a couple times a year. That's our getaway spot. And we're always a twosome. And we've played with the most neat people. We had these guys from Toronto who got my email and now they follow me on Twitter and they're all into it. We play with a lovely couple from Kentucky 
who knew Justin Thomas and his dad, and he got a hole in one when we were playing with him. I mean, you, get, you meet all kinds of neat people on the golf course. So, so be social. Get be out open. There. Yeah, be Don't open. Be so close sure. minded. Yeah, I really appreciate you spending the time. I know you got a lesson to get to, so I'm kind of I've been watching Oof. watching the clock on this one. Where can people find more information? Where should they go? Just KevinHame.com. I Kevin, mean, okay. oh my goodness, I haven't been doing my job for 30 years, and people don't know where to find us in Ottawa for golf. But I know that. But guess what? A lot of people are, are listening to this from uh, from all over the area. So that's yeah. what I love most about about the podcasting. So KevinHame.com. Uh, Kevin and people can. When's the radio show? Radio shows every Saturday morning Eastern uh, from eight to ten. And the thing that separates our show from all others. There's a lot of pundits out there saying who's going to win this weekend, and we teach how to play golf. So we have fun, too, with, you know, with Phil Mickelson, the crazy things he says, and we have a lot of fun on the show. But I always remember, and I, the, the general man, you remember Mark Mayhew? Yeah. Remember Mark? Okay. He was a quirky guy, but he was a real smart guy. And Mark is the guy who gave him my start in radio. And I, I was doing a show, and I think I thought I was more of an entertainer than anything at one time. And he says, he says to me, he brings me into his office. He says, what do you think, Mark? I think the show's going pretty well. He says, Kevin, I don't know what you're talking about, this and this and this. He says, don't you ever remember that at its core, all people want to do is get out of the bleak and bunker. You know, this is what he said <laughs> to me. And so I was like, noted. And I've never forgotten that. When it, In the end, people mm-hmm. just want to be able to get out of the bunker. So we teach a lot. All right. That's on TSN 1200. Yeah. Uh, 8 to 10, Saturday mornings. 8 to 10, Saturday if you're looking for more information. And for those of you who are maybe live not in the west end of the city, uh, you've got this nice, big, beautiful land and the landscape and the 560 Hazel Dean Road, uh, just off the yeah. Queensway at Terry Fox. It's great. Go say hi to Kevin. He'll love yeah, it. He's absolutely. only he'll only be in between nine. I'll be running. That day. I'll be running as I say hi. <laughs> At to least you. go chat with Lisa. She's always the uh, she's the pleasant, beautiful, generous, she's the stable face. <laughs> yes. force out there. Uh, Kevin, thanks so much for joining us fun. here. That's a wrap up of Living Your Life with Leanne Lang. Please do like, share, comment, subscribe. Let people know the podcast is out there to help uh, with the growth. I'm definitely gonna have Kevin do that. You're gonna have to let people know on your radio show that they're yeah, gonna Tweet out right this. away. This is going to be Absolutely. awesome. Uh, and uh, thanks, everyone. Have a fantastic day. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at averyrich.com.